Ephesians 1 tells us that we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Sealed with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to take that off. We'll come back to that. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that means we've got the deposit. Just push the sides inwards. It won't won't land on you. I'm just going to give a little shove. Well done, Dr. Lynch. Fantastic skills, church skills. Um, We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. So if you've got the Holy Spirit, this is 101. We've done this before, haven't we? If you can say Jesus Lord, you've got the Holy Spirit. Basic, Christian basic. Can you say Jesus Christ is Lord? Then you've got the Holy Spirit. Really simple, really true, really wonderful. That's the first thing Ephesians teaches us about the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter 2, it goes on to teach us that we are a temple of God's Holy Spirit. We've been built together to be a temple. So the Spirit isn't a private thing. In fact, we've been learning that he's a he, not a thing. He's for us corporately. The way that he does his ministry is through us as a body. Because often people say there's no such thing as a private Christian. Of course, you know, that, that's not entirely true. God ministers to us individually and wants us to be right with him by ourselves. But essentially, what he's trying to do is build us together into a holy temple. So if we had the bouncy castle on and uh, someone said, well, I don't want to be the arm on that bouncy football pitch thing, temple, um, it would just leak out, wouldn't it? And there's a sense that corporately, we're supposed to hold the Holy Spirit together as a temple together. That's why things like the home uh, weekends at home are so important. It's a chance to come together and collectively be a body together. Or our small groups or these services, it's a chance to be together, hold the Holy Spirit, and then take that out into the rest of our lives. Of course, what we're doing tomorrow morning, every bit as important as what we're doing now. But we got built up together. We're holding each other in prayer and love. We're a holy temple together. And then in chapter 3 in Ephesians, it's, it's the prayer where Paul prays that we will be strengthened by God to know the truth of these things, that we can be sealed by the Holy Spirit, that we can be a body of Christ. And it's, a, it's a beautiful prayer that, that we know is true. And why do we have the Holy Spirit? Why are we filled? Not because we deserve it, according to Ephesians chapter 2. No, but because of God's grace. It's by grace that we've been saved, not by works. And no one deserves it. Holy Spirit given to us freely and the the Spirit reminding us that he's there. And in chapter 4, God has given us good gifts of the Spirit, graces of the Holy Spirit through Jesus. Uh, Graces like to be an apostle, pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, to go and do God's work of ministry and service. That's what the Spirit does. I've just been away this week on a conference with SOMA, the little mission agency that I'm now responsible for. And uh, we were there, 35, 40 of us at Highley Conference Centre, just north of London. Um, average age was uh, 72, maybe 82, I'm not sure. It was pretty old anyway. There was one lady in her 90s in a wheelchair, who it turns out is one of these old battle axes of the Church of England. She was on the Crown Nomination Committee that appointed bishops uh, for a couple of decades. She's an amazing woman. She was being pushed in her wheelchair by a, a missionary, who's a missionary in, in Malaysia, actually, who's the daughter-in-law of a a man called Michael Green that some of you might have heard of, um, who was a a famous evangelist and a Bible teacher, um, and just humbly getting on their lives. It was just so beautiful to see. And I felt, after just a few hours and days with these people, very knitted together with them. Why? Because the Holy Spirit in us builds us together into a body as we get to know each other, as we worship together, as we teach together. That's why the really important thing that happens today in church will be Bible teaching, we'll be 
worship, but it's also what happens over coffee at the end when you're hopefully not too cold and, and you mill around and chat to people and share your life and details of, of your story with people because that's what brings us together. And these lovely saints were just inspiring to me. And I, and I asked them, can you tell me your, your Soma stories? Can you tell me where God's been at work uh, on the missions that you've been on? And many of these people in their 70s and 80s have been out to the Democratic Republic of the Congo or South Sudan, basically to war zones, uh, to go and encourage the church around the world. They sort of get the bug when they retire, and they just keep going and going and going and going, and suddenly they're 80, and they're still going out all over the place. And Tony's getting itchy, itchy pants while I'm saying this. He's like desperate to get back out uh, on, on aid work. And it was, it was just so lovely to see. But I asked him to tell me stories because the week before the conference, I'd been uh, on a call with uh, Soma New Zealand, and I'd asked the director of Soma New Zealand to tell me some of his stories of what God had done. And he told me the most extraordinary story of going to an island, I think it was in Polynesia, it might have been Micronesia, but Polynesian islands that was almost untouched by Western society, almost untouched by Western medicine. And he, he went there with a little team of seven or eight people, like we sometimes go and do like a new wine trip elsewhere. And one of them, or two of them were 16-year-old girls, all the way through to him in his sort of mid-50s as a senior church leader. And, and he said, well, what I'm going to do is Luke 10 ministry. So I'm going to um, show you the kingdom of God, and then I'm going to explain what happened afterwards. And, and he said, right, um, I can see that many of you have got uh, obvious health problems. They haven't had much medicine. So some of them were very obviously blind. They had stuff over their eyes that was uh, causing blindness. And he, um, he said, well, come forward if you're like that. And it was a really hierarchical, patriarchal society. So the, the blokes were in charge. And knew who had to come first. So the first people to come forward were the high-ranking men uh, from the island. And he had lined up his team, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, including the teenage girls. And the, the people who come forward first had to line up one in front of the other. So the teenage girls were ministering to these, you know, big, important men in the, in the island. And they just proclaimed God's healing. And tangibly, visibly, immediately, these people were healed. So then they did another row. And another row, and then they ran out of eyes, so they went on to ears, to hearing. And they did row, row, row. And they recorded in one day, he said, 84 tangible, recordable, verifiable miracles from that time to now. And I was like, well, that's really exciting. And so I went to the, the Soma UK conference, I was, I was trying to see, you know, what stories have you guys got to tell? And there were some fabulous stories, not unlike that. There was one particularly moving story of a a young woman who had been a victim of, of FGM. I won't go into that, but you, you know what I mean. Uh, and she came back the next day having been prayed for, being asked to pray for, for this very private part of her body. She came back going, it's healed. And of course, like the, the woman who was bleeding in the Gospels, um, that didn't just mean a physical healing, that meant a restoration in her community and open up the possibilities of marriage, and family, and all the stuff that that meant in her culture. Extraordinary miracles. But what was more apparent was that many of the Soma stories, Holy Spirit stories told by these wonderful uh, aging saints on this conference, were stories of God at work in quite ordinary things through people who were suffering or sacrificing for the gospel and yet had surrendered their life like it was. And suddenly God was almost flowing out of what was going on. Extraordinary stories. One that was moving 
it's not a miracle story at all, but it was of a, a man who had turned up in a country where he was the, he was the only Englishman on team. There were some Kenyans and Ugandans on the team, but he was feeling pretty isolated and lonely in, in a war-torn country. And uh, they just arrived in the country. And suddenly, up on a, on a little moped rocks a pastor who's turned up in his pinstripe suit. Remember pinstripe suits? He turned up in a pinstripe suit. And, and he says, let's pray. And he kneels down in this, probably his prized clothing, uh, in the dust with them. And they said he just put his hands up and simply looked to God and just said, majesty, majesty. And then apparently he was quiet for about two minutes, just revering this God that he knew so deeply and intimately. And it just struck me, God, don't you want to be like that guy who knows how to look into heaven and just go, majesty, majesty. He was prepared to get down in the dust and just go, majesty, get his best things dirty, go a long way for a prayer meeting just to say, majesty, and worship God. So so we heard lovely stories of the Spirit at work. And I think in sharing those two different types of stories, I just want to open us to the idea that God can do the most wonderful supernatural stuff, but also he wants to make our very normal supernatural. Because as I was listening to these story after story after story, I felt God say in my spirit, that's the miracle, Richard. That's the miracle. When people go, yeah, there's God there. And they see with the eye of faith and they hold on to it and they cling on, often in really difficult situations. And God provides for them again and again and again. I mean, it's not the whole miracles. I, I was talking to my friend Christopher Bird, who's preached here before yesterday. He's church planting not far away. And uh, they've uh, they managed to grow to about 60 people now, you'll be pleased to hear. Um, and they needed some more PA kit uh, for their sort of church in a box for the pool they turn up in. And uh, he, he asked his worship leaders, just make a list of the stuff that you need. And he wrote down this, this long list. I'm familiar with these long lists <laughs> of, of things that people want and need. And then he said, well, just, just wait on this. We're off for, for a week. Um, wait on this and see what happens. And they were about to order some Sunday school material as well, quite expensive Sunday school material from the States, from a special church in the States. And he said, no, just, just wait on it. While they were away, they got a, a really interesting call from someone who had been planting a church for seven years, but had worked out during COVID it really wasn't their, their gig. It, was, it wasn't their thing. They, they were in the wrong, wrong space, wrong shape for the, the job. And they said, Christopher, we really want to gift you with, and it was, it was PA stuff. 95% of what he'd asked for on that list was covered by this gig. Perfectly sort of church in a box, ready to go for people who are doing church on a move. And not only that, they also gifted them the, the Bethel Sunday School curriculum, which is the one they're about to spend hundreds and hundreds of pounds on. And uh, so they got that as well. And not only that, they said, we're closing our bank account. Um, would you just like to transfer whatever's left into your bank account? See, when we're following the Spirit on adventure, there's loads of wonderful things, aren't there? I was, I was talking to someone on Monday, and she was saying, you know, in, in your church, where, what's the opportunity to pray for healing and miracles and see God do things? And I, I was like, well, just last Sunday, we had lots of people come forward to be prayed for, and Nicola was praying for healing, and that was really exciting. And I was like, oh, yeah, and so I better make sure I keep doing this. And so the next morning, I was walking a dog, getting ready to go to the SOMA conference, just tiny little walk. Bump into someone who wants to talk to the dog. Dogs are quite useful like that. Um, walkie talkie name. And then she actually asked what my name was, which is really unusual. Most people just want to know what the dog's called. And she was chatting, and I was a bit like, you know, I wasn't that into the conversation. But she, she had the dog, the 
chained onto her playback um, because her arm was hurting as she told me. She tried this, that, and the other. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, pray for her, pray for her, pray for her. So I summoned up the courage in the street. I said, do you mind if I pray for you? And uh, she's like, no, fine, do it. Um, anyway, I get back from the same conference full of faith, bump into her, and discover nothing's happened at all. No, no, no miraculous change or healing. But at least I'd taken a step of faith and stepped out a little bit. And John Wimber, when he started praying for healing, he said he did it every week for a year. Until something happened, he just kept stepping out until he saw the miracle, until he'd readjusted his mindset and other people's expectations to the point they're already seeing. So here in Ephesians, we run through a list of things. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You, if you are a Christian, are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen for that one? That means if you get run over by the proverbial bus today, you will be with Jesus in paradise, yeah? You're safe. You're safe. Now, theologians debate exactly when that happens and all sorts of other things, but basically you'll be safe with him forever, yeah? That's assured. It's a wonderful thing. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's like being engaged, it says, to the most reliable person ever, and you know it's going to come about. The marriage is going to come about. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are also built together as a temple. Christchurch W4, you are collectively part of God's incredible temple. And when we come together, two or three of us gathered in his name, he is with us, isn't he? As we go out together to share him, he is with us. He changes the world. We're the temple of his spirit. We are sort of a body that holds him. He has strengthened us with power to understand these things, and he's given us gifts. And if you flick on to the next slide. So then Ephesians 4 and 5 says, because he's given you this amazing spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, please don't let the air of the temple. Don't, don't deflate this lovely temple. Don't let the air and just keep it on again. Because it's, it's a beautiful thing, the church. It's a beautiful, precious, amazing thing. I, I used to be in um, the New Frontiers family of churches, and there was a, a, um, a song going around. There was a song going around when I was 20-ish, and Jesus loves the church. And it sort of confused me because... You know, I was quite critical of the church. Anyone, anyone been in that place? I'm sure you're, if you're a member of this church, you're obviously not going to be in that place. But anyone, anyone been critical of the church? You know, you look at it and go, it's a bit rubbish. It's a bit leprous. It's a bit jaded. It's a bit faded. But Jesus looks at it and he sees not a bouncy castle. He sees a glorious temple. He sees living stones. He sees beauty. He sees honor. He sees a bride. He sees a precious thing. And so Ephesians 4 and 5 say, please don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Because if you do, it just sort of lets the air out. The seal's still there. The structure's still there, but it, it lets the air out. And what are the things that let the air out? It's when you live like Gentiles, when you're giving yourself over to impurity or sensuality or follow your old way of life or lie or get angry or steal 
or let unwholesome talk come out. That's a hard one, isn't it? Just talking unwholesomely or having bitterness or rage or anger or brawling or malice or sexual immorality or impurity or obscene talk or idolatry. Because these things are, are shameful and they grieve the Holy Spirit. And he sums it up in the verse that we looked at by saying, don't get drunk on wine. Don't get drunk on wine. But carry on being drunk on the Holy Spirit. And the experience of the Spirit is so tangible. It's as real as if you're plugging away. In the New Testament, anyone who got filled with the Spirit knew they were filled with the Spirit. Don't let the air out. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let it come on again. Let it come on again. And it's a deliberate choice. It's an again and again thing. And it's a collective choice. Because a lot of it is about how we work together in unity and in love together. Again, it's the reason why coming on the, the home weekend is such a good idea. Because it's as we're together, you know, we hold Jesus so well. We get to know each other. And so don't grieve the Holy Spirit, but be filled instead with the Holy Spirit. I'll just stay down to the noise factor. And then Ephesians just says two other things to, to, to wrap up on the Holy Spirit. It's just worth us bearing in mind. It says that you might need a sword in your hand if you're going to carry on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because there's going to be someone trying to knock you off course. You know, yesterday I drove down to the youth weekend away. And it was just really glorious to see. There's about 31 teenagers there or teenagers, teenagers and a young team there doing brilliant things. Uh, Monique, who's somewhere around, was, uh, she's on the sound desk now, but she was there cooking. Uh, and it was just amazing to see. And in the breaks, some of the young people kicked off their own worship set in the corridor. It was just lovely to see. And this morning, Zoe just texted to say, you know, I feel grateful this morning. But if you've walked with the Lord at all, you'll know that after the mountaintop comes the valleys. And actually, the Christian faith is won or lost in the valleys, isn't it? It's how we live out in the valleys that makes all the difference in the world. So when we come off these lovely experiences of being surrounded by great Christians, it's what we do on Sunday night at 10.30 in the evenings when it's easy to flick through the channels or flick through uh, the online. It's what we do on Monday morning when someone says to you, what did you do at the weekend? And we're just tempted to like marginalize anything that had God or Jesus involved in it. It's those things that make the difference, isn't it? And there's an enemy who's going to attack who says you'll need a sword in your hand, which is the sword of the spirit, the word of God. It's the scripture that will keep you being able to be filled with the spirit. You say, you know, I've never experienced being filled with the spirit. Have you read the scriptures? God never speaks to me prophetically. Have you read the scriptures? I feel like I keep getting attacked by the enemy. Well, have you got a sword in your hand to defend yourself? Have you read and memorized some of the scriptures? Because if you haven't, you're fighting silly. You're walking into a sword fight with a finger. <laughs> and it's not a good look, is it? Come back, I'll bite your legs off. <laughs> some of you are old enough to get that. I love it. That's really nice. It's not a good look. We need a sword. And secondly, we need to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. See, keep being filled with the Spirit 
It's not just about cropping up in the experience. It's about being sent out to see God's kingdom come, restoring creation to all he wants it to be again and again. And it will come with opposition. Some of you have been baptized here. And, you know, the next week or two, difficult times. But if you tidy your word, his word in your heart, you might not sin against him. Just come back to him. No temptation has seized me except what is common to other people. And God is faithful. He gives me a way to stand up underneath him. The sword of the spirit. Keeping me safe. Reminding me I'm sealed. Reminding me I'm covered. So here we are. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Carry on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep the power on. Keep the power on not just individually but collectively. As a church, that's why prayer meetings are so important. Keep the power on. Keep the Spirit power on. We need the Holy Spirit constantly. But he will send us on missions that are difficult and costly. And it's as we surrender that he'll most beautifully send us. So as we wrap up the teaching time, I just want to ask you a couple of diagnostic questions for yourself, if I may. Uh, Firstly... Do you know what I'm talking about at all? You may, you may be brand new to the Christian faith. We've got some lovely people in who are brand new to the Christian faith. You may never have thought about this stuff at all before. That's great. We'd love to chat to you more about it and find out more about it. But if you know that Jesus is Lord, you already have like a one out of ten experience of this stuff. Would you like more of it? Would you like it not to be a sort of deflated past thing, but a current, living, present thing in your life. Would you? Because that's just very easy, I believe, and very difficult as well. It's very easy in that Jesus promises, if you ask, you will, and your joy will be complete. If you ask, you'll receive your joy. It's just very easy. The difficulty is that other stuff sometimes occupies the bits that he wants to fill up in us. That's why it's a bit difficult, isn't it? Because actually, we get quite used to our fears, and we quite like to hold on to them. I feel quite comfortable with my fears and anxieties and worries. And I'm not sure I, I want to get rid of those completely, because that, that's my sort of safe place. Or my private inclinations. I don't really want to surrender those. I just... Just going to nurture them over here. And there's this bit of God that says something like, and this isn't an exact scripture, so weigh it up for yourself, but it's a bit like you can have as much of me as you want. <laughs> as much as me as you're prepared to surrender. So it's where, where you're at. No judgment. We just did this with the, the 9.30 congregation. We stood, we did the ministry, it was about 40 of us. We stood quietly just saying, you're all right. It's beautiful. And yet, God moving in people and filling them. Where are you at? One out of ten? Not out of ten? That's okay. Did you get over the line? Did you used to be a six or seven out of ten for all this? And it's sort of life's just crammed in. You know, the worry of life, the desire for other things, the love of this world, it's crammed in. What about if you go, oh, Lord? <laughs> I've been making a mess. <laughs> I'm a bit flat. I'd love to be chopped up. Or, or for us corporately, where are we at corporately? One out of ten? Ten out of ten? Are we a bit flat? 
going for you, Lord. Would you just fill this place with your spirit so that people walk in and go, wow, there is your God. <laughs> and fall on their faces before God and go, wow. Because we're worshippers, we're lovers of God, we're seekers of him. And that often happens. People come in and they go, boy, I had no idea what was going on. I've had so many people say, you don't know what you're carrying in this church. And I go, well, it's just tongues that don't make you feel normal. <laughs> people come in and they go, wow. That's what I want more, don't you? I want more. Uh, Prudence came up earlier and she said, yes, God can do it again. Yes, God can do it again. You know that song? see me move you move the mountains but i believe you're gonna do it again i mean i can't tell him what he's supposed to do but i know that he's worked in my life again and again and again i want him to work in my life again and again how about you tangibly changing you filling you do you want to i mean give me a little bit of encouragement if, if i get enough encouragement i'll stop the sermon okay i'm i'm, I'm just I'm, I'm sort of going until i strike some gold here I have to keep going. <laughs> Do you want it? Do you want it? I really want, you know, I've got, I spent the whole week seeking God on this lovely conference I've had the privilege of being at. I want more. I came home singing. I woke up the next day singing. I woke up singing. There's joy. It's beautiful. Is that a nostalgic memory for you or is that your reality today? Three fans. I've got enough feedback. That's lovely. You're really good. Well done. Quick learners. So Holy Spirit, you are amazingly welcome in this place. This is your, your Jesus. This is your Father. This is for your Spirit of the living God. Fall on your people afresh right now. May all know you good. Just say more, Lord. Please fill me with your Spirit. Even if you only want a little bit, ask him to help you want a little bit more than all of that. We don't yet know him, so please show me the spirit. Show me Jesus.